Broadcasting live from the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio, this is Raider Nation Radio 920. Unnecessary Unnecessary Roughness. I think this, that somewhere within the first five to ten plays of the game, the other team's quarterback must go down. And he must go down hard. It's Unnecessary Roughness here on Raider Nation Radio 920. Big hole. First down. End zone. Touchdown. Touchdown Raiders. Would you believe it? This is Unnecessary Roughness on Raider Nation Radio 920. Here's your boy, Q. Right now we're efforting Mick Akers from the Las Vegas Review Journal. He's supposed to join the show to talk about the... Raiders and all the money they created, all the revenue that was generated last season at Legion Stadium. He put out a tweet earlier today and a story on the RJ. The Raiders ranked number one in the NFL in net ticket revenue generated last season with $119 million to games held at Allegiant Stadium. The Raiders did so despite being number 25 in number of tickets sold. Last season was Allegiant's first hosted uh, fans. So there you go. They created a bunch of revenue, and they didn't even sell the uh, most tickets in the league, but they still came up with the most revenue. So uh, that's big time, and that also shows you what they could possibly do. So DeMond is working on getting Mick on the show. Uh, right now, I've been taking uh, calls and texts, talking about who's going to be some leaders in different categories as far as the Raiders go this upcoming season. Been talking about catches, talking about touchdowns, sacks, and interceptions. I mean, it's it's – it's not a. It's no point to say who's going to throw the most touchdown passes because we know it's going to be Derek Carr. You know, there's certain categories that I think are obvious, but I wanted to make sure I got a couple that were uh, offensive related and then also a couple that were defensive related. But I'm also taking any kind of text that you got, any subject that's on your mind. Feel free to hit us up at six nine one eight seven keyword R and R. Vegas Pete said Adams will lead in yards. Depending on coverage, it might be Waller for touchdowns. Will Graham ask Max and Crosby to play two gap? That would hurt their sack numbers. Again, that's from Vegas Pete. And uh, as far as Crosby and Chandler Jones goes, I think Patrick Graham's going to ask them to do what they do best. Right? I think they're gonna, he's going to ask them to pin their ears back and get to the quarterback. Of course, uh, there's got to be an opportunity. They've got to be able to set the edge, and they've got to make sure that they don't uh, let guys get outside of those, uh, you know, those lanes and, and, and be able to run on the outside. But I do think that you're going to see Patrick Graham set up the – the Raiders' defense and the, the playmakers in position to make plays, if that makes sense, right? Max Crosby and Chandler Jones, we know that the best way that they uh, they play this game is going forward and going after the quarterback. And I, and I believe exactly uh, that is going to happen this upcoming season under Patrick Graham. The one thing that has been said about Patrick Graham from anyone that has covered him, uh, no matter where he's been a defensive coordinator at, is that he looks at the personnel he has and he puts them in the best position to succeed. So we always get caught up in scheme. We always talk about what this player is going to do do what this position calls for but I think when Patrick Graham flips on the tape and I'm sure he's already done this a million times before he ever even took the job with the Raiders is he saw guys that he knew exactly what they could do one of the first things he said to us at the media session was uh just give me playmakers I don't care what position they play just give me playmakers and that's who Max Crosby that's who Chandler Jones are they are playmakers on that defensive line so Look forward to seeing them get things started coming up really on Thursday as the far, far as uh, practice goes. Uh, then Sir Whiskey Ray hit us up. Q&D, I just caught the end of your interview with Brian. As always, good insight. Sounds like last night's charity softball game was a success. Before I give away to another round of whiskey, here 
at all the All-Star festivities. Shout out to Juan Soto for winning last night's home run derby and putting on a show. As always, got to tune in for a bit and get my unnecessary roughness fixed on. Thanks, fellas. That's from Sir Whiskey Ray, and that's awesome right there. That's love, man. Thank you so much for that text. My man is uh, enjoying the All-Star activities there at uh, Dodger Stadium and still has a couple minutes to check out the game or check out the show and uh, comment on it. So I uh, definitely appreciate Sir Whiskey Ray living his best life. He's, uh, he's out there doing his thing. Also got a text message from Fargo Raider uh, who called us in earlier, but he said, hey, I got a little bit more. He said, P.S. Josh Jacobs will return to his bullish form in the red zone and hit pay dirt often. Just win, baby. That's from Fargo Raider. Uh, has been very active today. We definitely uh, appreciate that, my man. So you can feel free to hit us up at any point in the show. Again, as I mentioned, uh, 702-365-9200, Salmon Ash text line 69187, keyword R&R. Since we haven't got Mick Akers, that's okay. No worries. We have plenty of stuff to get to on the show. I tell you that we leave stuff behind all the time. Well, that will not be the case today. So uh, let's go ahead and get in some Alex Leatherwood conversation. I've mentioned it multiple times. This is actually one of my favorite uh, little sessions that we had from last night because, well, one, it was the longest one, but he just sounded like and looked like from his body language. And I'm one of those guys that really likes to kind of read body language to tell how comfortable a guy is or, or you know, just kind of where they're at, you know, if they're in a good place or not. And it really seemed like Alex Leatherwood, the second-year tackle, was in a good place. He was even asked, and you'll hear it, asked if he's a guard or a tackle. And, you know, he's basically, hey, I could play both positions. But I don't need to tell you all that. How about you hear from the man himself? Here is Alex Leatherwood. Take me through the steps. Is this like a fashion game? You come out here, you got to show out specifically? Uh, yeah. You know. You know the vibes. <laughs> yeah, so yeah. essentially, yeah, just fashion. Well, Denzel Perryman came out here with like a necklace that's literally was blinding me. So I didn't uh -huh. know if the group <laughs> was everybody getting that. The right. finest looks out here. Is it, that the case? It's everybody on swag. You know, everybody got to, you know, look good for the people, look good for the fans, you know. What, what's the determination level here to go 3-0 with this group? The Knights are they're a pretty confident group over there. They said they were checking the weather app right. out here at 5 a.m. today. Right. How yourself? I feel like, um, to be honest, the weather don't matter. Rain, snow, sleet, hell, we got to win. You know what I mean? This year is my uh, first year playing in this game, but last year we won, so we just got to keep the tradition going. Have you been training in the offseason just specifically for baseball? Specifically for this. Specifically for this. Uh, hey, a, a lot of long days and a lot of cold nights, but yeah, we're going to get it done. What is the softball game like for Alex Leatherwood? Uh, it's actually my first ever. <laughs> so uh, it's going to be very fun. It's going to be very fun. Nice, nice. Yep. What position are you playing? Uh, not sure yet. Okay, okay. We're still trying to rub the kinks unknown. out. Exactly. A lot of unknown, but a lot of a lot of faith. So. Nice. Mm -hmm. uh, it's awesome. You know what I mean? He's a, a great dude, great person, great all-time Raider. You know what I mean? So it's great to have him on our team. And It's just awesome, you know what I mean? Just to uh, be in his presence, you know what I mean? Just uh, know what he's doing for the organization and stuff. And not only that, but just for the um, the Vegas community, you know what I mean? This is a great event, and uh, I'm honored to be in it, to be honest. Alex, talking cap, how much more relaxed and focused are you coming this year? You got the rookie season out of the way. How much just more relaxed do you feel? Um, a lot more relaxed, you know what I mean? I feel like uh, I got that year of experience. So, of course, you know, everything isn't new. You know what I mean? I know what to expect. And uh, I'm looking very much forward to it. I know Richie Incognito retired on Friday. The young line was there. What did his leadership mean to y'all and to be able to learn from him? Uh, just his leadership and uh, what he brought to the locker room as a player and also just as a man, you know what I mean? It was uh, like words can't even begin to explain, you know what I mean? He was a uh, great dude, and I was super appreciative to have him last year on my team. It seemed like he retired a lot of like, 
Mark Mark work during the off season. I saw some videos that you put up. Not necessarily core work, but just everything. You know what I mean? Uh, just trying to get better at everything, get stronger, faster, bigger. You know what I mean? And of course, and of course, core is a part of that. But uh, I worked out everything, you know, just trying to get better overall. Uh, tackle, guard, it don't matter, you know. Now that I've played a year guard, you know what I mean? I feel like I, I could do it all over again, but I'm a born tackle. What does a Raiders team under Josh Team under Josh McDaniels. Um, so far, I feel like we're uh, a very hardworking group. You know what I mean. We're extremely talented. Um, we're a team that will be tough. You know what I mean. And yeah. What's it mean to get Oh, Denzel Good. Oh, it means it, it means the world to me. You know what I mean. This season last year ended uh, very tragically. Uh, it was a tough hit to our team. You know what I mean. But he's the type of dude who, who brings great leadership. You know what I mean. He knows a lot, uh, and he's a and he's a good player in the locker room, on the field and off the field. I'm glad to have him back. So there's Alex Leatherwood right there. Second year tackle guard, whatever you want to call him, Alex Leatherwood. Very relaxed sounding Alex Leatherwood. And he looked relaxed last night at the Las Vegas ballpark. Get back to some more on Alex Leatherwood because I do have some comments and uh, want to speak on what I saw from him last night and just, again, kind of want to talk on the guy that, hey, man, he had a lot of criticism, criticism that he faced in year one, but, um, you know, expectations are high for him in year two. Join us now on the phone lines from the Las Vegas Review Journal is our good friend Mick Akers. And, Mick, thank you so much for your time this afternoon, my man. We appreciate you. And, uh, man, and I saw that I saw that astronomical number that the Raiders created as far as revenue generated at Allegiant Stadium through ticket sales, $119 million, and they weren't even the number one ticket seller team, you know, in the league. How massive was that to create that kind of revenue for the team? You know, obviously the interest was pretty high going into this season, you know, sitting out 2020 uh, with them opening the Allegiant Stadium with, with no fans. So, you know, people thought, you know, the demand was there, obviously, uh, with the season tickets. PSL selling out well before the stadium was built. Uh, so, you know, you know, seeing that number, obviously, number one, pretty awesome. But obviously, with the smaller capacity size, you know, compared to some of the other stadiums around the NFL, uh, you know, being number one was pretty surprising. Yeah, no, it really was. And that was, you know, based off of, what, 55,000 seats? Because it could be, what, 62? Was it 62 or 66 if it's standing room only? Yeah, so official sellout with a fixed seat is like 62,500, um, but 54,000 or so seats were made available for season ticket holders. So the rest, you know, are sold, you know, held up for some you know, opposing teams and, you know, some trips with the Legion to have that deal with them and some other things like that. So, you know, 62,500, the, the official sellout, but it can go up to 65,000 with standing room only, but those tickets weren't made available last season, you know, obviously with some of the COVID stuff and some people mm -hmm. were staying away from that. So, um, you know, so far they haven't used that, but yeah, you know, all, all indications, you know, this, this upcoming season will be just as, you know, successful as last season. Right. If not more. And that, that's what I was looking at. Like, man, if that's how much they were able to generate in the first year of Allegiant stadium, having fans, how much more can they have? I mean, again, like you mentioned with the PSLs, the PSLs alone were $549 million uh, in revenue. And then the $119 million on top of that with the ticket sales itself. I mean, that, that is massive. How, how much larger do you see this, this Avenue getting for the Raiders and, and what they're able to create? Yeah, so obviously um, if they can reach full sellouts each game and then, you know, eventually they're like, hey, we got to open up the standing room only, um, you know, that's going to go much higher. 
And, you know, I, I wish we could account for, like, how much the secondary ticket market made, because I'm, I'm assuming it might be even more than that, because people are selling those tickets, you know, sometimes like five or six times the amount they bought them for. Uh, so it, it would be also, you know, interesting to see how that is. Okay. But, you know, they're, they're, they kept being, you know, top one or two of the week, you know, on the resale market as well. So they obviously, you know, made some money for some people here, too. So, right. um, you know, I, I'm sure they're not you know, too sad. Some of those people, you know, missed out because uh, they'll be back in the stands this season with, with their season tickets, not having to sell them like they were. Talking right now with Mick Akers from the Las Vegas Review Journal here on NSA Roughness Radio Nation Radio 920. My man DeMond's got one for you. Yeah, Mick, in the story that you put out on the Review Journal, it says if the fans that have the PSLs, if they don't renew their season tickets, that they're at risk for forfeiting those PSLs. So is there a process that in that with the PSL and the purchase and the bylaws or something? And, like, at this amount of time, you forfeit your PSL, or is it just a wait-and-see on case-by-case basis? Yeah, I would assume, especially with the COVID year, that it, they might have a little bit more leniency on that end, but... Um, it's supposed to be, you know, if you don't pick up the season ticket for one season, you you lose it. So then, then they put it up, you know, for the public um, to buy it. Because um, when they first had the, you know, the stadium came about, they had a, a PSL list. So you put down $100 and you would have your name on that. And there's thousands of people still on that, you know, list, which is now a waiting list. So, you know, once those become available, you know, they make them available you know, kind of first come, first over on those people who are on that PSL list. So, uh, but like I said, I think with that COVID year, they might have some leniency. But, you know, if they're not purchased by this season, I would assume they'd make that PSL available. Mick, how much money has this stadium, just it being there? And I know, I mean, obviously the Raiders have benefited in a major way. But just, I mean, Las Vegas getting all kind of events. And it's only going to be more and more and more as we know the Super Bowl here in 2024. How much money has been roughly generated by the fact that Allegiant Stadium is here? Uh, yeah, you know, with the events, and, you know, obviously the you mentioned the Super Bowl, that one, you know, they're saying, hey, maybe that's a possible billion-dollar event. Uh, you know, this thing, you know, just tracking hundreds of millions of dollars into the economy, especially with all the other events that come with it, not just Raiders games. Uh, like this upcoming weekend, two huge soccer matches are going to draw mm-hmm. not only, you know, people across the nation but across the world for that. Uh, you know, so it's just kind of opening up those events that we can never have because we never had this large of a world-class stadium. We had, you know, the good arenas and such and Sam Boyd, which wasn't drawing all those top draws there. So uh, this thing's kind of opened up a new avenue here in Las Vegas. What what kind of events are you expecting to come this way or, or be at least considered to be headed to Vegas that we might not be talking about? Because one of them that I threw out there was the uh, NCAA championship game. I do believe the national championship game is going to be here at some point. I know it's not anytime soon, but I do believe at some point it's going to happen. No, that one's tracking like it, it should definitely land here. We're going to have the regionals here next year at T-Mobile, so that's kind of getting a foot in the door there. Um, which wasn't, you know, uh, available, re- you know, pretty recently, obviously, with some of the rules and gambling and such with the college sports. Now that's more lax, and, it, you know, now they can come here and do that. So I, Vegas has been trying to get you know, at least regionals for some time, but uh, just didn't work out uh, with that gambling aspect there. Um, so, yeah, something like that. Um, obviously, people are hoping for WrestleMania. Uh, we're getting the Super Bowl. You know, any kind of top-notch stadium you know, performing act, we'll get that. Um, and I think you'll see a continued draw of these um, – 
large international soccer matches because um, if you know you saw last weekend it was full and right. one's already sold out for Saturday and, and you know Friday I'm sure is going to be pretty packed as well. Yeah, it's going to be monstrous, man. I mean, I just I think that the the amount of events that continue to come to Las Vegas are really endless and countless. I mean, it's just everything has a possibility to be played here. Again, we're talking with Mick Akers from the Las Vegas Review Journal here on Unnecessary Roughness Radio Nation Radio nine twenty. You were at the press conference for uh, the announcement of Sandra Douglas Morgan, the new president of the Silver and Black. She has ties with every building in this area, right? I mean, she has she she's had dealings with all these people. That's something that Mark Davis mentioned to us right after the press conference. How much more money do you think that she can help this organization generate just with those local ties that she has? Well, it's going to be tough to get more gaming companies because they basically ran the table, you know, when they opened the stadium with the founding partners and such. You see, you know, pretty much every resort's name somewhere in that stadium, whether mm-hmm. it be large ones like MGM Resorts where they have it on the right over the Al Davis torch or, you know, you have the Wynn nightclub inside there. We have a bunch of Caesars activations on the outside. And if you go through the suite row, you know, you'll see just about every gaming company's name on one of those suites. Uh, so obviously just continuing those relationships that were, you know, started with, you know, Mark Bredain and Davis early on. Yeah. Um, but she obviously has deep ties with all of them with her gaming board, um, you know, ties there. So she, you know, has deep Las Vegas ties. She's born and raised here. And, um, you know, I think that was a great high on, on the Raiders and yeah, you know, and it's so funny that whenever any of us was doing any kind of research and trying to get some feedback from people that worked alongside of her or worked with her, there was no one ever had anything bad to say. And she even joked afterwards, like, yeah, uh, some people have something bad to say, but maybe they're just not coming out right now because, you know, she's tough. You know, she's tough, obviously, having to deal be the uh, the gaming uh, chairwoman and everything. That was a big deal. But uh, just from your research, you know, what did most people that you, you talked to had to say about her? Uh, they were saying, yeah, she's the right person for this time, especially with, you know, some of those alleged um, mishaps going on in the in the front office, and they're trying to clean that up. Uh, Mark David said, hey, we, we, we did an investigation, and we realized there were some things that we can address. And she said, hey, I'm not going to sweep anything under the rug. I was talking with Governor Sislek last week as well with her about her, and he's like, yeah, she's she's tough, and she's, she's not going to look the other way on anything. She's going to get down to the bottom of this thing and, you know, get that operation running smoothly again over there on the – and uh, the Henderson HQ. There you go. Talking right now with Mick Eggers from the Las Vegas Review Journal here on Unnecessary Roughness, Raider Nation Radio 920. So I have to ask you, Mick, every time you come on, i got to ask you about the A's. I, I, tell, I say it all the time. I'm an A's fan, but I'm not looking forward to them uh, headed this way, if they are indeed headed this way. Uh, what are your thoughts? Are they, are, are they getting closer to a Howard Terminal, or is it, is it the inevitable that they'll be here sooner rather than later? Yeah, I got a, a story about the post sometime, maybe when we're on the phone right now. Um, just kind of update on that. Nice. Manfred made some comments again, kind of, you know, pushing that thing he's been pushing for a year now, saying, hey, they got to get this thing done now. But he's like, you know, he, he was pretty forceful saying it, it's like now. So I, I, I'm assuming it's sometime this year um, that they're pushing for. Uh, Dave Cavill texted me earlier, and he's like, yeah, we're running out of time in Oakland. And then, But Mayor Schaap up there is a little bit more optimistic on the – the Oakland in saying, hey, I, I will hopefully sometime in the future we'll share an all-star moment with Manfred up here at our new ballpark. So um, with some of the recent momentum kind of swinging towards Oakland with a couple um, key votes going their way and, and not putting the, the stadium uh, issue on the ballot in November up there, um, you know, those are two positive ones, but they're not the ones that, you know, the end-all, be-all one. They're still waiting for that binding term sheet, which they've been trying to get for a year. Uh, so, you know, even with all that momentum, up in Oakland, I still say it's 50-50 because there's still some uncertainty there. Um, 
you give them one year and they still haven't ironed out any of those issues because they <laughs> still have the same exact ones they had last July. So um, I would say at this point, it's still 50-50. They still haven't announced the final sites that they're working on. Um, but I would expect that would come out sometime soon with some renderings as well. Well, tell them, tell them that, hey, you know what? If, if you end up in Vegas, you got to change your business plan. Tell, tell Dave, good old Dave Cavill, tell him, hey, man, you got to change the business plan. Vegas needs some stars. You can't be trading away your stars. Uh, it's just not going to work because we're, we're, we're not going to go out there and watch these games all the time like that and support them with nobody that we know. We can do that with the Aviators. At least I know that they're, uh, you know, they're a triple-A team and they're supposed to be young guys trying to grow into the game. Before we let you go, Mick, my man DeMond had one more for you. All right. Mick, on the transportation side, this like loop that's supposed to be going on down at the convention center, Elon Musk is involved, and I think that he's a big fat fraud. Is there, are this Jeez. going any closer to this being ready by the end of the year? Uh, so not this year. It's going to be sometime next year. Um, they, they just went across the strip to the resorts world. They opened up their station there. So now it runs at the three stations underneath the Las Vegas Convention Center and now across the street to resorts world with, you know, the, the first foray into the Las Vegas Boulevard. But now they they have a bunch of permits, you know, applied for to do a couple different more segments. They're, they're doing it in segments, and then they'll eventually connect them all down the line. So the, one of them is Tropicana Loop, which is going to run with some of this south end strip properties and then into uh, legion stadium so you know that'd be the first stadium you know stations right there which we you know big for shuffling people in and out especially people that come to town for the event uh so you know they got that one and then the caesars loop they have with some of those caesars properties near las vegas boulevard and flamingo area and then in uh, westgate one so eventually they'll connect them all and then end up being you know downtown and such but they, um, Steve Hill from the LVCVA said they hope to have some of that stuff, you know, operating next year. Obviously, um, I would assume at least by Super Bowl in 2024 to have it at least connecting some, you know, from at least Tropicana Loop to the Caesars Loop. Uh, open up some more of that there, but uh, you know, it looks like they're full, you know, full steam ahead on this, and you know that they are set on, you know, making this a reality. There it is right there. Mick, well, your piece, Major League Baseball Commissioner Defends Owners' Stewardship of A's is out right now officially. It just came across my timeline on Twitter. So if you're an A's fan or you're a fan and wants to know what's going on with the A's and their potential move to Las Vegas, check out Mick's piece. It's on the Review Journal right now. Major League Baseball Commissioner Defends Owners' Stewardship of the A's. Mick, great stuff, man. Thanks for all the updates. Great for your, uh, Thanks for your fine work. We definitely appreciate you. We'll talk to you soon. All right, thanks for having me. No doubt about it. There he goes. Mick Akers from the Las Vegas Review-Journal. Find him on Twitter, at Mick Akers. And again, as he mentioned, my piece is going to be uh, coming out while we're on the phone. It did. I mean, you want to talk about speaking into existence, that's exactly what he did. MLB Commissioner Defense Owner Stewardship of A's. So uh, I'm definitely going to have to read up on that one because you know I'm very, very intrigued by what's going on with this team and if they're going to end up here or they're going to stay there in Oakland. 423 is the time. Take a quick break. Come back. Get some of your calls. Get some of your texts. we got a busy half hour to close out the show, and we'll do it here on Radio Nation Radio 920. Welcome back to Unnecessary Roughness. Here's your boy Q. Had a very busy show today so far. Still got more to go. Earlier today we found out Isaiah Zuber has been signed by the Silver and Black. Some members of the Raiders defense have been put on the pup list as they get ready for training camp to get going as veterans report tomorrow. 
Trayvon Mullen, Jonathan Hankins, Bilal Nichols all on the pup list. Uh, who knows when they'll come back? They have to be medically cleared. But if they're out past August 23rd, then they'll miss the first four weeks of the 2022 regular season. So that's just something to pay attention to. And as I continue to do a little bit of research on Isaiah Zuber, he was in the USFL playing for Houston last season. And uh, he actually led the, the USFL in touchdown catches with five. So uh, there's that. He's a guy that came from uh, Mississippi State, a fifth-year senior. Uh, he had 50 catches at uh, when he was at Kansas State. Uh, let's see what else. 1,129 receiving yards and nine touchdowns. Also had 12 kicks for 189 yards. So uh, there's that. So um, there you go. Isaiah Zuber, just a little bit more update on what he brings to the table as far as the new wide receiver that the Raiders have signed. Of course, this is right before training camp, so he's going to go in there and provide some reps and give some burn to some other guys that are out there. We've also been trying to uh, reach out to you and hear from you at 702-365-9200 and the Salmon Ash text line at 69187, keyword R&R. Been talking about leaders in catches, touchdowns, sacks, and interceptions. Who do you think those folks will be? Again, 702-365-9200, Salmon Ash text line at 69187, Keyword R and R. Robin Oakland said, trying to stay on today's topic. Catches Adams. Carr will throw to his best friend. Touchdowns Renfro. Adams and Waller spread out the defense. Hunter finds the huge gaps and uses his open field skills. Yards Adams. Sacks Crosby. Continued improvement. Interceptions Merrick. Game slows down and he catches the one he dropped last year. Force fumbles Chandler Jones versus Hobbs. Both have a knack for the ball. I think the big difference this year is that the players that are second in these categories should also give us great production. These questions are harder to answer this year because we have more good players. Rob in Oakland, and that's a great point, and that's something that Vinny was pointing out this morning on the morning tailgate. He kept saying and reiterating and really trying to hammer home to anybody that will listen, when the Raiders line up on the field this year, whoever is across the field from them, they're not going to be that much better than them, if at all, as far as talent goes. Now, they've got to go put it together on on the field. They've got to start putting it together in training camp and, and you know, maximizing the talent. But there's not one time that they'll they'll stand on the field and they'll look over and say, oh, man, that team has way more talent than we do. There's not one time. I don't care what team it is. Go through the, go through the schedule right now, and you tell me what team is, has an overwhelming amount of talent over the Raiders. I don't believe anybody, including the Kansas City Chiefs who the Raiders are going to face twice. I don't believe that they have more talent than the Silver and Black. I think the Raiders have even the playing field as far as talent goes. Now, execution, wins, that's a totally different thing. They've got to go do that. But just as far as talent, just the guys that can actually go get it done, yes, they are much better. And that's another thing that you got to give a lot of credit to what this team last season was able to do. At the end of the year, who were they getting it done with? A heavy dose of Josh Jacobs, Zay Jones, Hunter Renfro, Darren Waller was banged up for a nice chunk of games. He came back obviously late and, you know, heading into the playoffs. But, I mean, they were getting it done with guys who aren't necessarily the biggest and best talent. Deshaun Jackson, who's obviously uh, well beyond his, uh, his primetime years. Guys like that, you know, and that's no disrespect to Zay Jones, but I think if you put Zay Jones up against, you know, you, you, you put him on the Kansas City Chiefs, he may get on the field in special teams, Right. I mean, Zay Jones is a decent player. Obviously, he built a good rapport with Derek Carr, but he never was. He's not a star. He's just not a star. But, you know, he worked his tail off. They had a lot of respect for him, and he knew he knew what he was supposed to do when he was out there, and it led to some good moments. But, again, I don't think anyone's pounding the table saying Zay Jones is, is your number one wide receiver, and he's, you know, the most talented dude in the league. But now, with the talent that they have on both sides of the ball, in my opinion, they're, they're evenly matched. 
702-365-9200. Let's talk to our guy, Juan the Smasher. What's on your mind, my dude? Welcome to the show. What's up, Q? What's going on? Chilling, man, chilling. Hey, man, that, that game yesterday, man, that game was sick. It was my <laughs> first time being at – man, it was. It was first time being at the ballpark. I was trying to go last year. I couldn't go last year, but this year, thanks to you and DeMond, man. Uh, but, yeah, that, I, was, I was watching all the guys, and these guys are, are athletes for a reason. I was surprised what uh, Leather was. That guy was running like a deer. And uh, a Abram, too, that guy was just, like, from from the outfield to, like, the middle field. These guys were just jamming. Like, they were they, they were running so quick. Even Moreau, too. Like, I, I was shocked that they could even play baseball. You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> I, I don't, like, just see these guys play football. But they're athletes for a reason. These guys are studs. And, um... I'm I'm excited that that uh, I got to meet Jayon Brown. He gave me an autograph of my football, so I can't wait to show my son and be like, "Look, son, this is autograph right here." So for your uh, your questions, let me get my boy Waller. He's gonna have the touchdowns. Adams gonna have the catches. Uh, Mad Max gonna have the sacks. And uh, Perriman, of course, he's a, that guy's a tackling machine. And uh, what, what was the last one? It picks. Uh, interceptions. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I'll take him because I'm I'm rooting for that guy. With him on Madden, I'll be I'll be just uh, <laughs> picking fools left and right. Nice. And uh, and and thank you Q, for everything. And you too, Demond. Hey, hey, and you guys have a good one. Nice, we will, man. Hey, uh, good job, good job. Glad you had a good time at the game. Again, happy birthday! I know that you were celebrating your birthday. Kind of been selling it, celebrating it for a few days, but uh, that's really cool, man. I'm glad you had a good time, and I'm glad you brought up Jayon Brown. We talked about uh, Jayon Brown a little bit with Harry Douglas when he joined the show at three o'clock. Uh, he was having a good time last night. He was having a really good time. Like every single time I saw Jayon Brown, he had a big old smile on his face. He was having a good time. He was standing out in the outfield. He was dancing a little bit. He was talking to the fans. Anytime it was in between innings, he was running over like uh, Juan the Smasher just said, and and uh, he's signing autographs. And he was he was really having a good time. Now, does that mean he's going to go out there and ball out? No, but again, just uh, I like to read body language and see how how guys look and how they're you know how they're interacting with people. And he just seems like a guy that's really happy to be a member of the Raiders and was very happy to be there last night at the Las Vegas ballpark for Battle for Vegas. So uh, Jayon Brown's a guy that I don't think that he was on my radar to pay attention to a whole lot during training camp. Like, i got to focus in to see what he's doing. But I, I, I think that he's one of those that I jot down and I have to make sure I pay attention to. I just think that he has an opportunity to be someone. So we'll, we'll definitely pay attention to that. He could be a, a nice little difference maker. Harry Douglas likes him. Harry Douglas played with him in, in Tennessee, so uh, he said he could bring something to the table. Now, he's not going to be able to shut down Travis Kelsey because who can? Just like who's shutting down Darren Waller. But just knowing that he has the athletic ability to drop in coverage and not be a liability, I think that that's going to be a big factor for the Raiders moving forward. Got a couple more texts that I want to get to real quick. Sonia in Fresno said, in all these years I've been a Raider fan, I would question if our guys could get open versus defense. But this year the question is, will the opposing defense be able to handle our guys? And that's a nice feeling. Again, that's Sonia and Fresno. And that's what I was talking about. And that's what Vinny was talking about as well this morning on the morning tailgate. The Raiders could compete with anybody. There's opposing defenses that are going to have to say, okay, what are we going to do? How are we going to slow these guys down? How do you slow down Adams? How do you slow down Waller? How do you slow down Renfro? It wasn't like that. Like Sonia said, it wasn't like that all the time. It just wasn't. They have built this roster, one, to win now, and two, to compete with anybody. I mean, look at the two teams that were in the, in the Super Bowl last night, or last year, sorry, excuse me, the Bengals and the Rams. 
they are all uber talented. I don't look at them as super talented or way more talented than the Raiders. I don't. I look at the Bengals and say, man, look, you know, we want to talk about offensive lines and their struggles. I know the offensive line for the Raiders wasn't that great, but Joe Burrow got sacked 51 times last year and 70 total sacks uh, throughout the course of the playoffs as well. You know, if you combine the regular season and the playoffs, like 70 or 71 sacks, that's massive. And they still find a way to make it to the the Super Bowl. Now, I'm not saying that that's healthy. (laughs) I would not encourage that for anybody. That's how quarterbacks get killed. That's why Andrew Luck dipped out of the game so quickly because he was getting drilled so much he could never stay healthy. But it shows that they can – they can get it. You can get it done, even if your offensive line is a little suspect, because you have playmakers like uh, a Jamar Chase. You have a guy like a T. Higgins. Well, the Raiders have that too, you know. And Derek Carr, assuming that he's going to get on the same page with uh, Devontae Adams, real quick, fast, and hurry, they they might have that that opportunity where Derek says, "Hey, I know this is this is about to come. I know this hit's about to come. I'm going to throw it up there where Devontae's supposed to be, and he's going to end up there." He'll do that with the guy that he trusts. He won't do that with just – he wouldn't do that with Deshaun Jackson, even if he knows that Deshaun Jackson's got all the speed in the world. He wouldn't do that with Henry Ruggs until Henry Ruggs proved that he was going to be there. He wouldn't just do that with a Brian Edwards, just assume that he's going to be where he's supposed to be because, well, that's where he's supposed to be. He'll do that with guys he trusts, and that's going to be a big deal. The fact that he trusts Adams is going to be a big deal, and it will help, I think, eliminate some of the stress of that offensive line not being 100% you know, all the way up to speed. And look, by September 11th, by the time they start to see that it gets the Chargers, maybe it will be where it's supposed to, where they're supposed to be, where they expect it to be. It's a possibility. This is what training camp's for. They're going to start putting it together. 4:37 is the time tomorrow. Let's take a quick break, and we'll come back with Chris Canty. He's got some. Uh, not he's not going to join the show, but he had a, a overrated list, a top five overrated overrated list, and I wanted to point some out because well, somehow, some way, it pertains to the AFC West or the Raiders. We'll talk about it next. This is Raider Nation Radio 920. Welcome back to Unnecessary Roughness. Unnecessary Roughness. Here on Raider Nation Radio 920. I'm going to have to kick you, you know what, today. Here's your boy Q. All right, Raider Nation, we got about 20 minutes left of today's show, give or take a few minutes here and there. And uh, it's funny, I, I've been I've been holding on to a little segment that I wanted to, wanted to talk about for a while now. We've been talking about the top 10 list and... You know, uh, wide receivers, edge rushers, running backs, quarterbacks. We talked about that hot and heavy last week, right? ESPN was putting out their features uh, by Jeremy Fowler. They're putting it on the .com, ESPN.com. And we kind of broke it down. And there was some that I was passionate about and some that I was just like, okay, I get. You know, like Max Crosby and Chandler Jones. I think they were five and seven as far as edge rushers. I get that. That's cool. Uh, you know, uh, Josh Jacobs didn't make the running back list. He he got a few votes, but he didn't even make honorable mention. I felt some kind of way about that because of some guys that were on the list. Uh, the ca- the quarterback situation. Uh, I thought Derek Carr was fine. He was an honorable mention, uh, even though there was guys like Deshaun Watson, Dak Prescott on the top ten at their nine and ten that were there. And I thought, well, they probably don't have to be there, but whatever. That's fine. Not really a big deal. Well. Chris Canty from uh, Canty and Carlin on ESPN Radio, he actually kind of broke it down, and he had a top five list, the top five overrated guys in the top ten of multiple different categories, including the quarterback position, including the running back position, and also uh, some guys on defense. So I wanted to go through those really quickly because I feel like we've had these conversations, and it's very interesting. So all these players, the top five that Chris Canty had to talk about, in some shape, some way, shape, or form, 
can kind of push back to either the AFC West or the Raiders. So, so let's start out with number five on Chris Canty's top five overrated in the top ten list, and this is a safety from the Chargers. Number five, I got Derwin James. Oh, wow. Derwin James. And see, here's the thing. When you talk about the L.A. Chargers, Derwin James is one of the first three names that you bring up, right? You talk about Justin Herbert. Mm -hmm. You talk about Joey Bosa. And then it's Derwin James, right? Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, the Derwin James that everybody is projecting for 2022, we ain't seen since 2019. All right? This is the guy in 2019 that made it all pro. This ain't the Derwin James that we saw last year. Now, you can blame it on the torn labrum in his shoulder, which he had surgery this offseason to repair. You can even blame it on the torn meniscus that he had a couple of years ago that forced him to miss the entirety of the 2020 campaign. All I'm simply saying is, by by virtue of the injuries that he's gone through, based on what we saw on the field last year, Derwin James is not the same player. And Carlin, I can run down the list of several safeties that have had better seasons in 2021 than Derwin James. Buda Baker. Harrison Smith, both of the guys up in Buffalo, you name it. There are a lot of other safeties that put together more impactful seasons than Derwin James in 2021. And I think Derwin James right now is trading off of reputation rather than the player he is. He's not the fourth best at his position. Boom, right there. Strong words from Chris Canty from Canty and Carlin on ESPN Radio talking about the number five, the top five overrated in his top, in the top ten of everything. You know, he just grabbed multiple different categories and found five guys that he thought were highly overrated. And I brought that one up and wanted you to hear it because the Chargers are getting all the love for this big roster, this big-time roster that they have, right? We hear about the Chargers every year. They're going to be this team. Look what they've done. They went out and made all these moves. Man, they're going to be unstoppable. Justin Herbert's a Hall of Famer. Brandon Staley. He's a Hall of Famer. He's the greatest coach ever, you know, and yada, 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 right? And there's always something that happens with the Chargers. So I found that to be interesting that number five was Derwin James. And, again, Derwin James is a guy that a lot of Raider Nation, including myself, was, was watching the draft when he was selected right there. It was in Arlington. I was at Jerry's World, and I remember I was pounding the table, Raiders, go get Derwin James. Raiders, go get Derwin James. They ended up getting Colton Miller, and I was pissed. I was angry. Don't go get Colton Miller. You had Derwin James right there. Well, you know what? Ended up being those guys knew what they were doing. Colton Miller has been a much better player, much more productive, and much more availability. He's been available when Derwin James has not. So that was the number five one on Chris Canty's top five overrated list. Number four, sticking with the Chargers. I know that a lot of people think it's going to be return of the Mac with Khalil Mack changing teams from the Chicago Bears to the L.A. Chargers, and that may well be the case. But when we say return of the Mac, you mean the guy that we saw in 2018 and not the guy that we've seen the last three seasons. Because none of those years were double-digit sack seasons for Khalil Mack. And people will make this excuse, well, the Chicago Bears offense was awful and the defense was on the field all the time. And he opened it up for Robert Quinn, who had a huge year. But that's my point, though, Carlin. Yeah. Robert Quinn was in trouble. Robert Quinn had 18 and a half sacks. And you say he opened it up for Robert Quinn, did he? Because Khalil Mack only played in seven games. So I'm just saying, Robert Quinn, who was on that same defense, had 18 and a half sacks. He can't be on the top 10 list. How is he not on the list, but we got Khalil Mack on the list? I don't understand it. Khalil Mack, just a tad bit overrated. We're not talking about the same guy that won AP Defensive Player of the Year in 2016. That is not the same Khalil Mack that's going to the L.A. Chargers. There you go, number four. Another hot one for Chris Canty. Talking about overrated guys, Khalil Mack, former Raider, former Chicago Bear. Khalil Mack returning to the AFC West and, again, highlighted those two because, you know, they're Chargers. Derwin James, Khalil Mack, 
again, the Chargers are getting a lot of hype about all the moves that they've made, including bringing Khalil Mack. Oh, he's going to go up against Derek Carr. Oh, he's going to wreck shop, and maybe he will. But like Chris Candy pointed out, the last three seasons of Khalil Mack haven't been so hot. There's a reason why Chicago moved on from him, right? I, I think Khalil Mack's a fantastic player. Always have thought he was a great player. But I'll tell you what, the Raiders and maybe the first year in Chicago, probably the best years that, that Khalil Mack has had in the, in the league. The time he spent with the Raiders when he won Defensive Player of the Year and probably the first season with Chicago, maybe the first one, one and a half seasons in Chicago. Either way you look at it, it hasn't been all that that it was looking like it was going to be when he won Defensive Player of the Year with the Raiders. Thought, oh, man, this dude's going to do this multiple times. He's going to be Aaron Donald. Remember there was that conversation at one time, who's the better player, Khalil Mack or Aaron Donald? Don't think there's any questions anymore, right? So that was number four on Chris Canty's list. Going to continue to roll through this a little bit quick. Uh, number three is a position that I was very, very passionate about when it came out, and it has to do with the running back position. I hate to do it. Because it's giant on giant crime. <laughs> but you know where I'm going. One Saquon Barkley. Ooh. He's overrated, Carlin. And I get it. Jeremy Fowler didn't have him in the top ten. He was honorable mention. Carlin, I don't even know if he deserves that. Wow. I don't know if Saquon Barkley at this stage of his career deserves honorable mention. He's played in 15 games over the last two years and combined in those seasons didn't crack 1,000 yards from scrimmage. I'm sorry if you look at the career arc, the trajectory, the production, it's going in the wrong direction, and Carlin, he continues to stay nicked up. I don't know that running backs get healthier as they get older and get more miles on them. So uh, we'll see what this new regime, Brian Dayball, this offense decides they're going to do in terms of how they deploy him. But I, I don't know that Saquon Barkley – let me check that. I know that Saquon Barkley is not the, the force multiplier that the Giants anticipated him being when they took him second overall in 2018 because it's been double-digit loss season after double-digit loss season after double-digit loss season. Saquon Barkley is a star only by name now. Boom. Saquon Barkley. That was number three on Chris Canty's list, and he was not even in the top ten. He was just honorable mention. But my big deal with Saquon Barkley was what was their honorable about what they had to say? One, one NFL offensive coach said, I'm down on him. He still doesn't know how to play running back enough. He's a bouncer. He wants every run to be a home run. He's going to have to learn that a four-yard run in this league is good instead of stopping, cutting it back, and losing two. And he gets his ass kicked in protection. What's honorable about that, I ask you? That's what got me really fired up. Like, how is that honorable? Josh Jacobs received votes. I'm not saying he should have been in the top ten. But, damn it, Josh Jacobs could have been honorable if that was honorable because you don't see anyone saying that about one Josh Jacobs. He doesn't even know how to play running back in the league. That's damn right. That's damn near offensive. <laughs> it's almost like a guy saying, hey, Q don't even know how to be a radio host. If that's the problem, I'm in the wrong business. Number two, running backs. Run it. Well, if you didn't like my Saquon Barkley take, you're really not going to like this take because we're <laughs> going to Charlotte, North Carolina, oh. and we're going to the Carolina Panthers, Ooh. Christian McCaffrey. Okay. Christian McCaffrey checked in at seventh on the running back list that Jeremy Fowler was able to comp compile, and I'm telling you, I don't think he's the seventh best running back in the National Football League. And I don't care that the Panthers are paying him $16 million a year. I don't care that three years ago he had over 2,000 yards from scrimmage. I'm talking about what you are right now, not what you were. And Christian McCaffrey is a running back right now that's played in 10 games over the last two years. Yep. That's Absolutely. the reality of who he is. 
And so we have to accept that. We cannot assign a level of health to Christian McCaffrey that we haven't seen in the past two seasons. And again, my point about running backs with Saquon Barkley, it applies to McCaffrey. We can't talk about running backs being what they were because running backs don't get healthier and more productive as they get later into their career, unless you're Adrian Peterson. All I'm simply saying is Christian McCaffrey, again, another one of these running backs that's a star by name only, and it could be to the detriment of his head coach because you could be talking about Matt Rule being on the way out. Boom. And I think I echoed those same exact thoughts about Christian McCaffrey when this list came out. DeMond, did I not? <laughs> exact same thoughts. Exact same thoughts. And that's what really stood out to me. Not because I said it, but it was the way that he said it. It was like, okay, I'm not crazy. Right? I'm not crazy because I did have people push back and tell me how great Christian McCaffrey was. And I said, yeah, he's great when he's available. But what we always say that people hate. Best ability is availability, and he's not available. He's missed 23 games the last two seasons. Couldn't, I could not believe he was on a list of top 10. He's good. He's top 10 in Madden. He's not top 10 in real life because he has to walk around with bubble wrap. He's not a guy who's available. So that's number two. And, again, I'm not saying Josh Jacobs had to be a top 10 guy. I'm not going there. If he was on the outside looking in, fine. But at the very least, Josh Jacobs should have had honorable mention. He's done enough, and he hasn't missed that many games at all. <laughs> I mean, hell, uh, Christian McCaffrey's only played in 10 games the last two seasons. Josh Jacobs hasn't missed 10 games in his career. You know what I mean? Like, Josh Jacobs, he's, uh, he's been a little banged up, but not that banged up. And he's been out there, and he's no doubt about it, been a, a really good player for the Raiders. So the final one has to do with the quarterback position, of course, because, well, why not? I got to do it, man. I, I, I have to do it. It's Dak Prescott. Yes. And Lewis Riddick and Mike Tannenbaum are trying to tell me I'm crazy this morning when I was on Get Up when I say that he was the most overrated player. But, Carlin, help me out here, man. When you think about the top ten quarterbacks in the National Football League and Lamar Jackson not being on the list and Dak Prescott checking in at tenth, I got a serious problem with that, man. Mm -hmm. And here's the other part of this. I don't know that Dak Prescott is 11th. I don't know that Dak Prescott is 12th. Can we definitively say that Lamar, Dak Prescott is better than Lamar Jackson? No. Can we definitively say that Dak Prescott is better than Derek Carr? No. Can we definitively say that Dak Prescott is better than Kyler Murray? No. Can we definitively say that Dak Prescott is better than Kirk Cousins? No. So what the hell are we talking about with Dak Prescott being the 10th ranked quarterback in the National Football League? I'm tired of people making excuses for Dak Prescott and why he can't have success when it matters the most. He's been in this league since 2016, only had one playoff win, despite over that span having one of the best offensive lines in football, having one of the best skill position cores in football, having a running back that's won multiple rushing titles, having a wide receiver that was a top five pick, having C.D. Lamb, having Michael Gallup, I mean, having a defense that was number one in takeaways last year, and a defense that might have the best defensive player in all of football, and you can only win one playoff game? I I'm sorry, man. At some point, we got to stop blaming Jason Garrett and Mike McCarthy for why Dak Prescott can't have success. Boom. Strong with number one is one Chris Canty from Canty and Carlin on ESPN Radio. And had to bring that up because he mentioned Derek Carr. And, of course, Derek Carr was an honorable mention, which I thought was fine. I think everyone on, on Red Nation Radio 920 thought that that was fine. But Dak Prescott only has one playoff victory more than Derek Carr has. Right? Just one. 
because he only has one. And you heard all the accolades that his team's had uh, that Derek Carr's team did not. The best offensive line of football, a uh, defensive with all the, the playmakers that they have, all that. The Raiders don't have that. So thought I'd bring that to the table. Thought it'd be good, a good little listen. Chris Canty's top five overrated out of the, all the top ten lists that came out. Derwin James, Khalil Mack, Saquon Barkley, Christian McCaffrey, and Dak Prescott. That's going to do it for us. Make sure you wake up with the morning tailgate, 7 a.m. to 10 a.m. That is Clay Baker, Vinny Bonsignor, and Heidi Fang. We'll talk to you tomorrow. This is Radio Nation Radio 920.